Good morning. It's good to see you here. I have a couple of announcements. Uh, one is this is Super, S-O-U-P-E-R, Super Bowl Sunday, and some of the youth I already saw were holding the pots looking for money for the, for the charity that youth designates every year. I don't know if that made it into the bulletin or not, but that's a tradition that we have around here on Super Bowl Sunday. Also, remind you that today at 4 o'clock, we will have the Make-A-Swish Memorial Kids and Mission 5th Annual Basketball Fundraiser. And the, the, in the narthex is the pledge cards. And we have, um, we hope that you'll come and support this today and, and help them raise money for the uh, School of the Deaf and Blind. Also, reminder that UMW has their 11, at 11 o'clock Monday has their call to prayer meeting and the small group that's meeting tonight called does god exist building the scientific case will not meet today but will resume next week we'll resume next week okay that is all thank you be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Everlasting God, you brought the people to your light and to the brightness of your rising. Fill the world with your glory and show yourself to all the nations through him who is the true light and the bright and morning star, even Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord. Amen.
let us affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and let our children come forward for a children's time. Sunday's lesson is called The Happy Puppy. Um, and the theme is happiness is not brought about by what happens to us. It is brought about by what happens within us. And the scripture comes from Matthew 5, um, verse 1 through 12, the Beatitudes. And happy is he who trusts in the Lord. Okay. I'm sure you've all sung the song before if you're happy and you know it. Okay, um, so can you tell me how the verses start off? Are you happy and you know it? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right, so what if it was being sung by a bunch of birds? What would they say? If you're happy and you know it, yeah, tweet. Like a tweet, what else could birds do? Flap. flap their wings, yes. So they would say, if you're happy and you know it, flap your wings. Um, what about if you were a dog? No, if you're happy and you know it, you'd bark. Dogs can bark when they're happy. What else do dogs do when they're happy? How do they let you know they're happy? Wag their tail, so if you're happy and you know it, wag your tail. Okay, uh, and that's where our happy puppy part comes in. Uh, there was a story about a little puppy that noticed that whenever he was happy, his tail would wag. And so he thought he'd found the secret to happiness. One day he shared the secret of happiness with an older dog and he said, I've learned that the best thing for a dog is happiness and that happiness is in my tail. So I'm gonna chase my tail and when I catch it, I shall have happiness. The old dog replied, I too believe that happiness is a marvelous thing for a dog and that happiness is in my tail, but I've noticed that when I chase it, my tail keeps running away from me. But when I go about my own business, it follows me wherever I go. The Bible has a lot to say about being happy. It doesn't say happy are they who have a lot of money or happy are they who live in big houses and drive fancy cars. It doesn't say happy are they who only have good things happen to them. When the Bible says, what the Bible does say is happy are the merciful, happy are the peacemakers, and happy are the pure in heart. The Bible also says happy is he who trusts in the Lord. Many of us are like the, that little puppy chasing his tail, trying to find true happiness, 
that is always just out of our reach. What we need to do is learn that if we will just go about our business and trust in the Lord, happiness will follow us wherever we go. I have a little prayer, and then I have some um, papers if you want to take them back to your seat. I meant to bring the crayons, and I left them in, in the pew with me with the little packets. Okay, so let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to place our trust in you so that we may experience the happiness that only you can bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture lesson is from Psalm 112 on page 952 of your pew Bible. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us bow our heads in prayer. O Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O eternal and loving God, we come before you this day and, and bring all that we have to show our thanksgiving. And yet we're reminded that you do not want our sacrifices, but call upon us to do justice and walk humbly before you. Your ways are beyond our understanding. Though so your prophets have called us to acts of mercy and you've given us the task of providing for others and doing it in your name, we must confess that we do enjoy the attention of others. We love to be praised for the things we do and we like to take credit for when we're wise. And yet all our seeking for fame dishonors you. It dishonors Christ whose name we have been saved and, and by whom we're called to do these works of mercy. Oh Lord, this day forgive us. Forgive us for failing to live up to the standards you have set forth for us. Forgive us and give us your Holy Spirit again this day to give us a spirit of humility open our minds that we might see your wisdom. Empower us to let the world know of your saving acts and enable us to rejoice and be glad when the world persecutes us and when bad things happen. For even through all those things we know that we are being your children. We pray this day, O oh God, that you look with mercy upon those who suffer this day. We have printed in our prayer list many names and there have been many lifted up today in the early service and before we came out in the choir. There are many, I know they're on the hearts of people right now and we'll pause for those. We lift up all these, oh God. We know that they're gonna need patience in their affliction. We know they're going to need comfort from your presence. And we know that we hope and pray that you would preserve them and restore them so that they may rise up and bless your name. But in every circumstance, O oh Lord, we pray that you'd help us to accept your good and perfect will. And help us to know that even if restoration doesn't occur in this life, it will occur in the next for all those who believe in you, in you and who love you as you love us. Show us the way we should go this day, O oh Lord. For we pray as one body and one voice, as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Please be seated. In chapter 5 of Matthew, you will find the, the Sermon on the Mount and several pages of red-letter words of our Lord. In, the, in part, during that talk to the folks there on the hillside, along the shores of the Galilee, he said these words I found on verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you called us here this day through your spirit. We thank you that your spirit's present with us as we seek to worship you. Lord, we pray that same spirit will help us and guide us to understand about the light that you've put within us. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, I got, a, I got a quiz for you. How many TV evangelists does it take to change a light bulb? One. But to continue changing them, we need your donation today. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? What? Change a light bulb? My grandmother gave that light bulb this church and we're not changing it. <laughs> All right, I know you'll get this one. How many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? At least 25. One to change the bulb, 24 to serve on various committees to decide what company we should buy the bulb from, what size of bulb, what color of bulb, and who's going to bring the food because we're going to have a covered dish when we change that bulb. <laughs> now, I can't help it. I got one more. I couldn't help myself. How many Amish people does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? I knew. You know, through the centuries, the church of Christ has had a love affair with light. We light candles even when it's not dark. Our own denominational logo is the cross and the flame, a light. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light. And let your light shine. You are called by Christ to go light the world. You know, when I was a young lad, I, in the summers, I used to spend it with my grandfather and grandmother Curtis, and my grandfather was the superintendent of Duke Power at the time, and he was in charge of the hydroelectric uh, plants uh, along the Catawba River. Now, most of those are no longer operating as we've moved to nuclear and steam and coal-powered plants. but. Um, and natural gas, but he took me around with him. I would go with him when we would check on these plants. And I learned a valuable lesson about electricity and, and light. I, I learned that light was not to be taken for granted, that it took a lot of effort by a lot of people to give us these lights. It takes a lot. And yet God created it all for us, didn't he? God, on the first day of creation, he created light. He said, let there be light, and he just said light was good, and I'll have to agree with him. You know, it takes even a match to light a candle, and before the days of matches, producing a spark was a complicated process. And if any of you have ever tried to, to create a spark for, without a match, uh, I can tell you it's pretty difficult. I was a scout and I had difficulty with it. Uh, one time, I, a friend of mine and I decided we were going to go see this same grandfather of mine, and we headed out. And it was a quite a bit of trek, actually, about five miles. 
Well, before we got halfway, the sun went down. And so we decided we better camp out uh, before we went any further in the dark. This was a country road, no street lights shone our way. We tried everything under the sun, all our combined scout knowledge to get a spark going and to get a light. And don't you to know that we never did. But Lord and behold, I was so thankful when I saw those flashlights are coming looking for us. We, they decided, uh, some of our parents must have decided that we might better check on these two boys who took off on this uh, adventure and there they were with their flashlights. It's hard to make light. Light bulbs don't shine on their own. Candles don't glow by themselves. God is the source of our light. God has created the light. He called it good. It separated the light from the darkness. And Jesus is our source here and now today for our light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, friends, it's important for us to remember this. It's important for us to remember where our light source comes from. It's important for us to know how important it is and how important it is to share it with others. And it's important for us to know that we're not self-ignited. We're not the source of the light. We do not shine on our own. The flame comes from beyond us. And that's important for us to know as Christ followers. It's important for us to know that we didn't get this way on our own. Alex Haley, who was a noted author, uh, was known to have written in, in his memoirs that he kept a portrait of a turtle sitting on a fence post in his office. Some of you might have seen those kind of pictures. And every time he got an award or he received an a, a accolade of some sort, he would take a long look at that turtle sitting on top of that fence post, and he would say, you know, that turtle didn't get up on that top of that fence post by himself, and neither did I get what I got today by myself. There's a lot of people I need to thank to help me. You see, our light comes from outside ourselves. There's a lot of people, a lot of people to be thankful for and thankful to even today for our, us being here and us having the light of Christ in our life. And we shouldn't forget it. You know, the question then becomes, I think, are we letting that light shine? Are we letting the Holy Spirit light our fire new this day? Are we letting the Holy Spirit encourage us to shine our light into the dark places of the world? You know, there's a simple prayer that you can pray that I've I've, I've prayed before and I've I've seen uh, other people talk about using it. It's just simply this. It just simply says, Come Holy Spirit, blow like the wind and kindle a flame of love in this cold heart of mine. Blow like the wind and kindle a flame of love in this cold heart of mine. We need to probably repeat that prayer every so often and fan the flames of the light source that God has put within us. Our lights are meant to shine. They're not meant to hold on to and keep to ourselves. They're they're not meant to put a bowl over them. You know, Jesus said, people, do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now, he was referring to the fact that light was hard to come by in the first century Palestine and there was no electricity. Uh, All you young, young folks, think about that for a minute. There was no electricity. There were no matches. So you never casually put the light out, you know. So once you got a light started and you left the house, for safety reasons, you'd put that oil lamp under a bowl and the room would darken until you returned, but the light wouldn't go out. The light would never go out. It was not, so, you, so what Jesus is saying, you don't light a light and then just cover it up and sit around in the dark. Lights are made to shine. Darkness can only exist in the absence of light. You know, it's one thing for us Christ followers today to curse the darkness. It's pretty easy to do that. It's quite another to light a candle. We can rant and rave about the sad state of the world, but the question has to be, why is there darkness? Where is the light? Why aren't we shining? 
Maybe we need to turn the lights up. It seems to me like in our day that the church would do well to shine the light of the love of Christ into the dark corners of our culture. And there are plenty of dark corners. Last week you heard me say that John Wesley said if he had 100 people who were dedicated to nothing but God, he could change the world, and he did. Sitting in this room right now is probably 100 people, all kind of folks from all walks of life. The question has to be, is our light shining? Is it shining brightly? Is it bringing people out of darkness into the light? Do we realize how important our light matters to this dark world of ours? Okay, I got another quiz for you. Three, three questions. See if, now, I want you to think about your minds and see if you know the answers to these. Do you know the five wealthiest people in the world? Can you name the last five Heisman Trophy winners? Now, some of you might can do that one. Can you name the last five winners of the Miss America pageant? Do you know every one of these answers? Probably not. But now let me ask you a new quiz, a new, three new questions. Who fed you and clothed you when you were a young, helpless child? What was the name of that first grade teacher? Who's the first friend you'd call right now today in an emergency? You know the answers to those questions. You know why you know the answers to those questions? Because those people are the ones who poured light into your life. Those are the people who shone a light for your path so you could come out of darkness. We must remember that. And we need to be, this, we need to be light givers ourselves to others. There's a true story told of this professor who was, had him invited to speak at a military base. It was December. He was met at the airport by a soldier assigned to collect him and carry him back to the base. This is what the professor wrote afterwards. He said, after we had introduced ourselves, we headed towards the baggage claim area. But this particular soldier kept disappearing. Once he stopped, helped an older woman with her baggage. Next thing I knew, he had, he had moved on to a different location and picked up two, two children to help them see Santa Claus who happened to be visiting the airport. Before we ever got to baggage claim, he stopped several more times giving directions to people who he thought seemed lost or puzzled. Finally, I said, why do you do that? Where did you learn to do that? Where did you learn to live that way? And the, the soldier said, well, I was in the war. He said, my job was to clear the minefields. He says, now when you have the job to clear the minefields, says, you never know which step might be your last. So I learned to live between the steps. I learned to live between the steps. And I just kept living that way. You see, we need to learn to live between the steps. Because our lights are for a cause, a noble cause, far beyond our understanding, but it's a cause far beyond our, our, our ability even to do. And yet the Lord says, I want you to be partners with me that shine the light into the world. Friends, candles melt, bulbs burn out, the sun sets, everything there is a season, everything there's a purpose under heaven. And what happens is that in this day and age, burnout has become the buzzword. Distressed people burn out. Self-centered people burn out. Self-sufficient people burn out. Unprepared people burn out. And Jesus cautioned us all the time about this. If we let our light source grow dim and even burns out, then how are we able to do what we need to do? How will we be prepared how will we make sure that we have what we need to make it to the celebration? Jesus said it this way in a parable. He said, there were five uh, wise and five foolish bride attendants at a wedding. The five wise ones had sufficient oil for their lamps to see their way. The five foolish ones, they ran out of oil. And in their frantic effort 
to replenish their supply, they missed the party. Jesus does not want us to miss the party. Jesus does not want our light to go out. Jesus wants us to, to, to be there for that big celebration that's going to occur someday as we're all reunited together in heaven. So how can we get the most years out of our life and the most life out of our years? I guess that's the final question. We have to let Christ increase. Let Christ increase. My friends, the church is the only institution in society today that encourages people to live beyond self-centeredness. Now think about that. The church is constantly calling people to walk humbly, seek justice, and to live beyond self-centeredness. That's a radical call in a world full of narcissistic behavior. You are the light of the world. Is your light hiding or shining? Maybe you've just become overwhelmed. It reminds me of a man who was pumping gas next to a woman with a van load of children. He asked the lady, he said, are all those your children or are you having a picnic? And the woman said, all these are my children and no, it's not a picnic. Sometimes we have to remember that we can get through life, whether it's a picnic or not, if we are not, shy, if we are not hiding our light and others are not hiding their light. Because sometimes it's your light that I need. And sometimes it's my light that you need. But if you're not shining your light, you're not helping. If you're hiding your light, you're not helping someone else. And if everybody hides their light, where's the help for any of us? You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. Receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, Eternal, Triune God, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. <clears throat>